listening to the Crosscheck NHL Show, part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Here are your hosts, Andrew Berkshire and Mary Clark. Welcome to the Crosscheck NHL Show. I am Andrew Berkshire from the Montreal Gazette and Game Over Montreal on SDPN. And I'm joined by my excellent co-host, Mary Clark from For the Win. We have a great show for you today because we've got refing controversies, diving controversies, and of course we're going to look at some eliminated teams because every day more and more teams are eliminated from the Stanley Cup playoffs. It's that time. The season's coming to a close. We've got just over 10 games left each for each team. So it's uh, it's coming to that time. But uh, before we get into it, Mary, how's your week going so far? I know you're about to go on vacation. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I was saying before we started recording that uh, I'm busy trying to get ready to go away. I'm going away to uh, California to visit family with my whole family. Uh, My sister and I are going to do a couple of days in Disneyland, and then we're going to take a train to San Diego where we're going to spend the rest of the week. Uh, I think I said before I'm going to a baseball game, uh, and that is like outside of that. That's all I really know. Uh, I think, you know, we're going to like we've rented bikes. We have a car. We're going to rent a car there. So like we'll be able to do a whole bunch of stuff. But I think it's just going to be a relaxing vacation. And that's nice. It'll, you know, get me rested and ready for the playoffs. Um, and it's just, you know, it's good to be looking forward to something that's just super chill. I mean, the couple of days in Disneyland probably aren't going to be chill, but uh, it's going to be fun. I'm, I've been looking forward to it for a while and it's been hard to like really look forward to it because so much has been happening like we had the olympics uh, we've had a whole bunch of nhl stuff i've covered march madness the trade deadline uh but now all of that is out of the way and it feels like a perfect time to take a vacation because we're getting close to the end of the season a lot of the playoff races are pretty wrapped up um and now we're just kind of in the waning zone for for the playoffs really and it's 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 really exciting time for hockey because you know we only have a couple weeks left um and then we get to the most fun time of the year for hockey fans and you know i gotta love it you you know you love we love the playoffs and it's great it's a great time yeah the first round of the playoffs is my favorite time of the year yeah. it's yeah. uh it just it's different the the ramp up in intensity and the amount of games i was gonna say just, the amount of games you usually uh, get like four amazing. you get like four games a day basically for like a week and a half or whatever just and it's just hook it straight into my veins yes hook yes exactly and then of course like the it just feels like the games are not to say more intense at the beginning but like they're, they're usually more chaotic in the beginning there's a lot happening um you know teams are still like feeling each other out getting used to the you know, the playoff races and all that. And I don't know. So you're right. The first round is the best. Uh, absolutely. 100%. And with all that said, we're going to talk about two non-playoff teams to start it all off. And then more non-playoff teams in the second we've talked, segment. Okay. We've talked about talk a, lot. a lot about the playoffs. We talked about afterwards. a lot. Yeah. I was going to say, we've talked about a lot of playoff teams, uh, you know, from the trade deadline. We always talk about the Maple Leafs. So I thought today would be a good time to, you know, talk about teams we haven't talked about a lot. Teams like, you know, the Seattle Kraken, uh, the New Jersey Devils. We're going to get into them a little bit later. But, uh, you know, like, I'm not going to try and ruin your transition here. But, you know, we're, I think the big, the first big thing is uh, uh, Ottawa Senators and some interesting stuff there. Yeah, I mean, we can go back and, and look at what happened. But uh, essentially, I'll, I'll recap it for everybody. Uh, Tim Stutzla and Nick Suzuki had a collision. It was a knee-on-knee collision. There was... It was very clear from the replay that uh, one player was trying to avoid the hit. 
the other player at the last second tried to not knee the other person, but the knees connected anyway. Stutzla was in a lot of pain, writhing around on the ice for a long time. Uh, some players on the Montreal Canadiens took exception to that because he immediately stayed on the ice for the ensuing power play and did not miss a shift the entire rest of the game, but was limping to the bench or limping to the uh, bus after the game and is a game time decision for the Senators' next game. And I know everyone was out there calling him a diver. And mm-hmm. listen, my opinion is it's very funny to call Stutzla a diver because the way he was writhing around on the ice. But I fully buy that what happened was he hurt his knee. It's not a major injury, but it hurt a lot. And he was maybe nursing it a little bit on the ice and then felt good enough with the adrenaline to play the rest of the game. And then the next day, things don't feel so nice. I've been there myself. When I was a younger man, I blew out my ankle completely and then continued that night to drink and party and walked probably about five kilometers on it. And then the next morning I woke up, tried to step out of bed and fell on my face because my ankle was like a balloon and I could not put weight on it for like a week. So it happens with injuries. With that said, at the end of the game, when it was six to three for Ottawa, Stutzla was running around and going for little cheap shots. He mm-hmm. put a cross check into Brendan Gallagher's neck, into the back of his neck, behind the ref, and then Gallagher went after him. And listen, Stutzla is not a tough guy, but Brendan Gallagher is a generous five foot eight, and Stutzla immediately turtled. And then when the ref came in and held Gallagher down. Then Stutzla's gloves came off and then he wanted a piece. So it's like this guy is earning a reputation, right? Mm. But Brendan Gallagher after the game says he was very annoyed, very clearly. He says, when I was 10 years old, our coach had a rule. If you lay on the ice and the trainers or the coach had to come get, come onto the ice to get you, you're too hurt to play at least the next three shifts. He's a great player. I've played against him two, three years now. More than half the games we've played against him, he's laid on the ice and is right back out there the next shift. He lays on the ice. He acts like he's hurt. He sells the call. He's on the ice. That same power play. There's kids watching. We're role models. And if I was a teammate of his, I'd tell him to smarten up. It's just not a good look. Very talented player. Very good player. He needs to stop laying on the ice. It's embarrassing. So, Mary, I think, first of all, do you agree with Gallagher that diving is something that, like, is a big issue for kids watching? I don't think they're thinking about that. If I'm being completely honest, when I heard that part of the, you think he was laying it on. I think he was laying it on. He was absolutely laying it on. Uh, And I mean, good for him because I think the biggest thing coming from this is that uh, you know people are going to be more aware of uh, Tim Stutzla now. I mean, Brendan Gallagher's name pulls a lot of weight. He's been in the NHL for a long time. He's a respected player. Um, but you know, I mean, he was clearly weaving a weaving a tale, weaving a narrative with the whole stuff yes. about the coach at the like his coach at the beginning. Like he was he was clearly weaving a tale. And like good for him. Like I mean you're you're clearly allowed to do this. And you know, um like it, this is going to follow Tim Stusela though. Like people are going to be more aware of it. Refs will probably be more aware of it now too. Like like so uh like at least that will be like the big takeaway from here at the end. But no, I don't, <laughs> I don't think kids watching really care about uh, diving. I mean, maybe ask your sons who watch hockey and see if that's, yeah. I don't know. We can, we can maybe put this to the proof here, Andrew, <laughs> with your, with your kids, but uh, I think they're I, too young to get it, but okay, I, I just, yeah. 
I don't think there's many kids out there who are watching that and be like, oh, I'm going to pretend I'm injured next game to get a call. Yeah. It's just, it's one of those things. Here's my issue with the whole diving thing. Cause like, first of all, Senators fans were very upset with me because on my post game show, Game Over Montreal, I said like straight up Stutzla is a diver because he is. He's mm-hmm. a diver. He, he embellishes all the time and he's a little rat too. But there's value in that. Mm-hmm. Players who do that often draw lots of calls and get the other teams off their game. It's not an insult to me to, t- to say that somebody's a diver. I know a lot of people hate it, but tons of guys in this league embellish. Mm-hmm. I think the bigger issue, and this is something that I kind of want to direct the conversation towards here, as much as it's about Stutzel and Gallagher and that like game of game that's going on within the, the game and Gallagher. Game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, Gallagher essentially trying to set the stage for Stutzla being looked at more carefully by the officials. And he is, I believe, after McDavid, second in the league in penalty differential this year. Mm-hmm. So he's doing his job. But I think the entire reason that diving has become more prevalent in the game, I don't know if it's been more prevalent recently, but more prevalent than, say, 10, 12 years ago, or even 20 years ago where like Claude Lemieux was like the big diver and everyone knew that Mm -hmm. Lemieux was the guy that dove all the time. Now, like almost everybody embellishes a little bit. What I see it as is there's so few calls now. Yeah. So players feel like unless they make a big deal, the ref is never going to notice it. You rarely ever see a call where a guy gets hooked and he just muscles through it that, you know, it gets called. They'll like, make the leg go limp or something or like, uh, you know, <laughs> or if a guy gets high sticked, if you don't react, it's not getting called. But if you whip your head back and grab your face, maybe it gets called. So all those little things that may not be falling down are still embellishing, but it's embellishing to make sure that the officials notice and do their goddamn jobs. <laughs> and frankly, they haven't been. This is the lowest mm-hmm. penalized season in history. Mm-hmm. History. Yeah, and that ripples, like like you said, like like the whole officiating being bad ripples through so many things in this league, and the embellishing is uh, a big part of that because, as you said, things aren't getting called, so players have to be over dramatic and selling things more uh, in order to get the calls, like in order to get just calls in general. I mean, sure, maybe you know certain plays don't deserve uh, calls. Uh, I've seen, I I swore some really bad like like basically like a stick came up and didn't even get close to somebody, but they still reacted and it got yeah. a penalty. I, I don't remember who it was, but I remember seeing it happens it every few games. Yeah. Frankly. Yeah. So like, I don't know, like, sure. Should those be called? No, but there are a lot of egregious things that uh, aren't called in general. So I get that yeah. NHL players are trying their best uh, because it's stacked against them in every other, you know, conceivable way. So like, I get it. And it's a legitimate strategy. Like, I mean, Brad Marchand is, you know, the rat king, basically, of the NHL. Because, the rat king. Yeah, I mean, yeah. I mean, like, he, he is the way he is. That's his, that's his play style. He's the best at what he does in that regard. Sure, he may be dirty in some other areas, but, like, there's a reason he has this reputation. But he's beloved in Boston. Like, of you course. know, All like... the rats are beloved in their home <laughs> ranks, right? I mean, yeah. the thing I love about players like Marchand is this complete lack of self-awareness that they literally have to operate with in order to be who they are. The licking thing. 
the, I mean, the lick, the licking thing, it's stuff like you see Brad Marsh on doing his post-game press conference or whatever, and he goes after somebody who dove or embellished. And it's like, bud, you're one of the biggest divers in the history of the game. And you're like, this is embarrassing. And I know people will probably say the same thing about Gallagher, but like here, Gallagher doesn't dive. He's a small mm-hmm. guy who goes into areas where he gets knocked down a lot. What Gallagher does do, which is not diving to draw a call, is if he gets pushed near a goalie, he will fall on the goalie <laughs> on purpose. <laughs> that he definitely does, but it's a little different than diving. Mm. I was going to say, I mean, I have very little experience in this, but I was going to say it's kind of like wrestling uh, in terms mm. of like the like heel-like nature of, uh, I, I mean, I'm thinking mostly of Marchand, but he's playing, he almost feels like he's playing a character to a certain extent. I'm not saying that yes. Sousa is doing this, but uh, the most effective, uh, you know, divers embellishers rats if you want to call them uh on on nhl teams uh, you know really embrace that character um so it is definitely i mean like everybody plays a role on an nhl team you have you know star players the grinders the goons um you know and the best ones in the nhl embrace their role as whatever they are you know cast as or good at so i mean we'll see uh what happens with stutzla in the future i mean he's still a young kid um it may he may take this out of his game i mean he's i I think he's a pretty talented kid (laughs) probably not (laughs) it's been so successful for him right true but things are gonna change i think so many calls things probably will change maybe not this year i don't know like it it, it probably change Right? That's true. Kadri yeah. used to be among the league's best at drawing calls, and he definitely was a flopper and remains to this day a flopper. And the thing is, I would not say that guys like Marchand or Kadri aren't hard nosed. Just because you dive and embellish does not make you a soft player. Oh, no. It means that's part of your game to draw mm-hmm. calls. It's a strategy. And when you mentioned Marchand playing a character, oh my God, is he ever a character? Yeah. Brad Marchand is straight out of, you won't get this reference, Mary, but he's straight out of the Attitude Era in WWE. He would be on understand the Generation X. You know, I maybe watched, that's okay, it. Maybe... I, watched, I watched the video you sent me. This is like a bit above table, but like I watched the video you sent me because I had said to Andrew that uh, my friend was going to make, uh, like, not make me, but like we were going to watch a couple of wrestling things and you sent me a video and I think it was about that. So I do recognize that name. I don't get it completely, but anyway, continue your point. Yeah, anyway, I think maybe Brad Marchand is the, she's uh, now I'm blanking on the name, the HBK of... Uh, I do recognize that name. Yeah, the Heartbreak Kid, mm-hmm. Shawn Michaels. He's the Shawn Michaels of the NHL. Not as prolific, obviously, not to say that he's not a star, but HBK was like the star of the WWE for I can't believe I'm making wrestling references. I know. <laughs> it's wild. I know. <laughs> my <All> friend right. <laughs> has changed me the whole that but yes i that's as deep as it's gonna go for me because i've only seen a little bit of wrestling so i kind of understand a little bit but y- you know but yes it's, it, wrestling bleeds into hockey narrative yeah really well yeah i think it's the like hyper max masculinity to the point of parody mm-hmm. that bleeds in really well and the like the the nhl like the the lengths that we go to to lionize people who play with injuries and then you have like the way that wrestling has like hardcore matches and how stupid it all is and i'm not being insulting it's it's stupid fun but Mm -hmm. that it just it 
pairs really, really well, which is why so much of hockey Twitter yeah, I was meshes say. with wrestling Twitter, which is super I, weird. I, I retweeted something before you finish this tangent, before we move on, because I know you're trying to get there. I saw a tweet that was like, that was years old. That was like, and I retweeted, it was like, welcome to Twitter. Here's your con- communist manifesto and a Monday night ticket to WWE for some reason or something like that. <laughs> it's like, it's perfect. That is like Twitter. That's like hockey Twitter to a T, especially with the, the wrestling thing, because I, you're right. A lot of people, a lot of hockey people love wrestling and you're not going to catch me like you know making a ton of references but that at least felt was apt to the so situation far. yeah i mean it so far <laughs> but it's at least apt to the situation and it'll things will probably change a little bit for tim Slutsley because he's going to be under a microscope um but you know he could continue to do this it's a very viable strategy in the nhl and you know at least props to brendan gallagher for weaving a really fun tale uh with some really funny quotes overall because uh definitely and i also you know saw that you should watch his like like watch it instead of listening to the quote because yes. his facial expressions add so much to the story so it's great guess, props to brendan gallagher for you know bringing this to light but also weaving a really fun tale while he's at it I mean, the it's a veteran move by Gallagher, oh, and yeah. it is great entertainment. It definitely felt like a bit of a work to, to make another wrestling reference. But let's move on from that, because next up, we're going to talk about some recently eliminated teams from the NHL's playoffs and uh, see what went wrong, essentially. But first, I got to tell you about Built Bar. This is the time of the year. Where, geez, we're like a quarter of the way through it, maybe even a little bit more, uh, where I've given up on all of my New Year's resolutions, but not this year. I'm sticking to my resolution to eat right, thanks to Built Bar. It almost feels like it's not really a resolution because I actually enjoy eating them. Have you tried the puffs? If you haven't, you're missing out on one of the best tasting Built Bars yet. Puffs are the first ever protein-infused marshmallow. They're fluffy. They're marshmallowy. They're not just a protein bar. They're a treat, and they're covered in 100% real chocolate. Puffs are a fan favorite with some incredible flavors. Yummy cinnamon churro, coconut marshmallow, and banana cream pie. So good, these are going to be your new favorite. All Built Bars are covered in 100% real chocolate. Yes, puffs included, 100% real chocolate. Low calorie, high protein. Replace your candy bars with these. They're better. Go to Built.com and scroll down to the macros chart and you'll be blown away. High protein, low calorie, high fiber, low carb. Most Built Bars contain 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 net carbs, and 17 grams of protein. Compare that to a candy bar, which usually has about 240 calories, 30 grams of sugar, and dozens of net carbs. Mint brownie, coconut, coconut almond, and new for this month, white chocolate cookies and cream. They're all delicious, and new flavors are coming out all the time. If they think a flavor might be good, they'll make it. It'll be delicious, and it'll be good for you. At Built Bar, they're all about the taste. They make it delicious first, and then they worry about trying to make it healthy after. I don't know how they do it, but they pull it off every time. Go to built.com and use promo code LOCK15 to get 15% off of your order. Use promo code LOCK15 for 15% off at built.com. So, Mary, we've lost the New Jersey Devils, Chicago Blackhawks, and Seattle Kraken to history or the draft lottery. <laughs> They're gone now. They're gone. They're eliminated. I mean, the Blackhawks, nobody would complain at this point, right? Yeah. Like, uh, we're, we're, we're ready for them to just move, get out of here. Mm-hmm. Be sold to a different person. There's so much about the Blackhawks. I, I yeah. mean, you know what? We don't even need to talk about what went wrong with the Blackhawks. We know what Everything went wrong. Everything went wrong with we know the Blackhawks. You know what I will say about the Blackhawks? I think a little bit less of Marion Hosa right now. Oh, Him yeah. signing the one-day contract to retire as a Blackhawk. This season, Marion, 
You're going to mm. do that now? I mean, okay, from his perspective, I get it, because how many Stanley Cups did he win with that team? Sure. So, Wait like, till next year, though. Yeah. I mean, like, he hasn't been playing hockey for years, so, like, you know, <laughs> I think he just but, wants to but, move on. I, Wait I, a year. I get, I get it from our perspective, but from his perspective, I mean, he's... I don't know. You're, when you're I mean, entrenched was, in that organization for so long at this point. He like, was on that team. Mm-hmm. Oh, I, I know. the Kyle Beach incident. Like, I know. I, I just can't see uh, if I was his agent, if I was, I'm, I don't know if he's a publicist, but like any of those people that are involved in his life, if I was his wife, if I was Some even moderately care, aware Andrew. of. Some people like, just, just don't care. Yeah. And that's the why Black I think organization probably just sees it as like a win a pr oh win, yeah it's a hundred percent how they're viewing it hundred mm-hmm. percent so. but i think a little bit less of marion hosa now and he's a player that i absolutely friggin loved mm-hmm. watching you know and i i'm just a little bit disappointed it's oh, not yeah, like a major fair. thing on his behalf like it's not cancelable as they say even though cancel culture does not exist you're just you're not mad you're just disappointed andrew exactly it's like a parent with a kid yeah he's I like get a it, teen I get it. it's like a teen that stole the car and got he's... in an accident He's older than you. I'm yes. I'm pretty sure. Yes, he is. He's like in his 40s, I think. <laughs> like a, at least a decade older than me. But still, I'm disappointed in you, Marion Hosa. All right, moving on from the Blackhawks, uh, the Seattle Kraken. I mean, what could have gone more wrong for them in goal? <laughs> I don't think anybody predicted Philippe Grubauer to go from uh, nominated for the Vesna. I think he was nominated anyway, uh, to worst goalie in the entire league. I think it says a lot about the Colorado Avalanche defense. Uh, And, you know, it's almost like the Carolina Hurricanes in that you take a goalie out of that system. They're not going to be as good because their defensive system is, you know, pretty rock solid. I mean, the Avalanche and the Hurricanes, like the Hurricanes just feel like the best at that to me. But the Avalanche, you know, have, I think, a pretty good defensive system. But, of course, uh, nobody, I think, would have predicted, you know, Grubauer just falling off a cliff uh and so did a lot of things about this team I mean now that we've got you know the benefit of hindsight um in terms of like their their um like what they did with the expansion draft they certainly did stuff Andrew uh and we'll see if in the future uh the things that they did pan out because they 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 certainly wanted a specific type of team identity but it just never came together they were never going to be the golden knights in terms of success uh no it was it was never going to be like that but you know a lot of things did go wrong for them in terms of like it seems where they prioritized players but you know if you're you're starting out like you know building a team this way they've got like i think they've got a whole bunch of draft picks coming up if not this year then next year like they've they've stockpiled a ton of draft picks so you know sure they're they're not a great team they're still you know their branding is fun. Uh, everything about like arounds them in terms of like, you know, what they've done for the Seattle area is still cool. But like, we'll see, like, we'll see how it goes in the future with this team because they, they really aren't going to be competitive. And I don't think they're trying to be like, I mean, sure. They're going to try and win hockey games, but like they are not setting out the mentality between them and Vegas could not be any more different. Vegas is like sacrifice no. everything to win a Stanley cup at all costs. Seattle is like, We'll get a we'll get going when we want to. Uh, we're, we have this. They have like a very seems like a methodical plan, but it definitely went wrong this year. And there were definitely things they could have done better, and players they could have picked uh, that could have been better for them. So like you know, it it was a bad year for them. But yeah, 
I'm I'm a fan of Vince Dunn, but not taking Vladimir Tarasenko looks like a huge mistake. Yeah, there right were now. a lot of huge mistakes. I don't I still don't get why they didn't take JVR from the Flyers. Like, I mean, I know JVR hasn't been the best, but it, who did they even take from the Flyers? It was like some nobody AHL. It's like a non roster player. Yeah, yeah, and it's like I don't think he's made any sort of impact at all with Seattle. I would bet you anything he probably has played less than ten games with seattle if that so it, it yeah there, there's there's a lot of things they could have done better i don't think that they'd be incredibly well i don't know the west is kind of a weird tire fire this year so maybe you know there, had they there been, was a like, there was an ability like there was a chance yeah. to get in there yeah in the west i there i think the weird thing about the the west and east right now is there's, it's almost an argument of like what's better having parity at the top where like the 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 East has six really, really, really good teams that could all beat each other. You don't know who could be the best. And then they have like another tier of like two or like just two teams. And then a lot of parity in the bottom of the teams that aren't making the playoffs or in the West where there's like the two very top teams in Calgary and Colorado mm-hmm. and Vegas would normally be there if they were hundred percent healthy, but they wouldn't be cap compliant. So they wouldn't be there anyway. <laughs> Uh, and then you have a huge swath of teams where there's a lot of parity between like third and like 12th in the conference. There's a lot. So like what is more entertainment entertaining? And I feel like Seattle could have slid into that yeah. second tier of competing for a playoff spot, but their goaltending just let them down. Like just looking at a natural stat trick right now. Seattle is actually the twelfth best defensive team in the league. Wow! In terms I, yeah, of I mean, expected goals against. Like we talked about it before the season, right? Yeah, they were going to be a tough team to score on, but they're twenty seventh in goals against. Like yeah. that's. I mean, it's real bad. Yeah, I. It does suck. I mean, who do they have? They have Grubauer. They have somebody else. Too. Chris Drieger. Right. Yeah. The from Florida last year, who was like really really like lights out for a while i don't know what his score line is but or like his stat line is but it's probably not great considering 899 yeah so they just experienced bad goaltending like i the you know like we said the the seattle's biggest strength is their defense and i mean dave haxtell had a lot like did a lot of really good things with uh toronto's defense um you know when he was part of like when he was an assistant coach there so like you know i i definitely remember saying that like you know their defense is probably going to be pretty like or at least you know better than average uh than most teams uh their goaltending really let them down um i don't know what they're like on offense in terms of like the metrics but my guess is it's probably like it's clear that they can't outscore their problems unlike you know the florida panthers who can outscore their goaltending problem they're uh, frankly, I mean, they're a hackstall team, so they are extraordinarily boring to watch. I think that's the yeah. biggest thing. I think, yeah. you know, Vegas was handed a better situation uh, just by teams being super dumb and giving them a lot of assets for free. Yeah. And Seattle was not able to take advantage of that. Like they have no extra first round picks over the first three years of their organization, which sucks. But at the same time, Vegas, I will give them credit, came out of the gun, like guns blazing, trying to make an entertaining thing. And I know Seattle is selling out still because it's new but i think if they don't figure things out relatively quickly and give an entertaining brand of hockey they may not you know you only have a couple of years window where everybody wants the new hotness if it's still garbage Mm -hmm. the product on the ice is not great yeah yeah i mean it it's hard to project how how many years out like you know 
I don't remember how long Haxtell signed as a coach. Like, will he, you know, make it past his contract? Who is to say? Like, you know, maybe he's just the coach that, you know, gets them started and then they move on to somebody else because, you know, the coaching shelf life isn't, you know, it, it, there's a lot of turnover in this league. So it's very possible that, you know, they, they're like, you're not the guy and then move on. So, yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. It, the, the Kraken are still at least, you know, fun from a branding perspective. And it's, you know, still new. Like, you know, Seattle's got like a great, like their arena is really cool too, like from everything I've seen. Um, they've got a good situation there. Hopefully, you know, they start to capitalize more. Hopefully, I, I think they're going to be better next year. But I don't think that this goaltending will be as bad uh, as it was no, probably this not. year. So, here's hoping. And lastly, we have New Jersey, who are, you know, worse than I think most people expected them to be. I wonder if they're just, like, kind of a victim of, you know, Jack Hughes is out now. They've mm-hmm. had trouble staying healthy. The goaltending hasn't been very good as well. I think they've made significant pro- progress if you look at their underlying numbers. You know, Dougie Hamilton missed a bunch of time this year as well, I believe. Mm-hmm. They're definitely a yeah, rebuilding he's at 50 team. Games. Yeah, Dougie Hamilton yeah. at 50 games right now. So he missed time. Yeah, so they're a rebuilding team that I think is headed in the right direction, but they need to figure out what their identity is as a team. Mm-hmm. They just have like a, a bunch of good pieces, but. I don't know. I, I find it hard to not be positive just because Jack Hughes is just. For yeah, I mean, terrible. Jack Hughes is now out for the season, but, you know, he had his best season this year. 56 points in 49 games, 26 goals. Um, yeah. A lot like, of everyone's I'm expecting at, him to be a 40 goal scorer next year. And I'm like, yep. Yeah, yeah. If you yeah, watch him. I yeah, mean, I'm looking at their I'm looking at their top goal scores. They're all like their top five uh, or at least points scores are under 24. Uh, and that's really good. And they're. Yeah, same thing for their, you know, top five goal scores this year. They're all under 24. Like that is. Yeah, they've got that combination of like the young guys like Hughes and Heeshear who are performing, you know, around expectations for a high draft pick. And then you also have guys that are kind of coming out of the woodwork a little bit who maybe you thought were good, who are now really, really good. Like Jesper Bratt Mm -hmm. is at a point per game. He's just really, really good and fun to watch. Yeah, and I mean they're they have decisions to make in the off season because PK Subban's contract is expiring, and I you know it's probably for the good of their team that they don't bring him back, um, or at least you know reevaluate how they use him in their lineup. Like, like it, it, they have a foundation of good young players on offense. They just need to figure out a way to build around them in a complementary way. Um, you know they had really bad luck in the goaltending department. I think you said that. Um, you know. Mackenzie Blackwood, um, you know, injured. Like uh, I think currently, right now, they're running with to you get know, vaccinated. Yeah, at the that's also. Of the year. Yeah, that's true too. I mean, Jonathan Bernier. I think I said at the beginning of the season he was probably going to be the one that had like the most, like a goalie or like a player with the most impact on a new team, uh, and he was doing all right for them. And then he also got injured, so like they've had bad goaltending luck. So if they, you know they can shore up that position, uh, you know, with the a better a better player a more stable tandem um i think that there's you know that they're gonna have to like you know make some turnover a lot of these pieces like like the the veteran pieces i don't think can all can all stay but you know if they come if they build a complementary team around you know jack hughes uh who else is here uh, jesper bratt nico he sure had a, has had a 50 point season this year um so you know like i mean and that's his what i think second best since his rookie season when he hit 20 goals but he'll likely surpass that as long as you know he 
stays healthy for the last like 10 or so games this year. So there's at least some positivity up front for the Devils. Um, they just have to have a smart off season to put it together. Cause if they, if they don't, they'll probably end up in the same way they did this year outside looking in on the playoff bubble. They're, they're not going to like, I don't think next year they're going to be competing with the, the best of the best, but they can probably fit in. Like they can probably can compete with like whichever Washington equivalent we're going to have next year. Um, yeah. For, you know, fighting for that or like at least in that last playoff spot. But I don't know if it'll be the same this year, next year as it is this year with basically all the playoff spots locked off. But, you know, they could be fighting for that last playoff spot, but they're definitely they definitely won't be in that top tier um, unless they make remarkable changes to their team. Yeah, both the, the roster and, you know, the the, the support staff. Mm-hmm. Uh, and lastly, before we move on, uh, Carrie Price practiced this morning on oh, Thursday. Nice. For 54 minutes, it's I believe now he's been practicing for three straight weeks and he's on the road trip for the Canadians taking on the Devils, ironically, uh, this evening on Thursday night. This is going to come out on Friday. He's going to be back in this season. It's looking more and more after his practice today. He was caught with a huge smile on his face. It looks like he's going to come back. And I think this is really good news for both Price, uh, the Montreal Canadiens and the league. Because Price is a big personality in this league. Yeah, yeah. Uh, that makes me really happy to see. Um, obviously, I didn't see that news until you just told me it because I've been busy this morning. But yeah, that's really that's really cool. Uh, I think we talked about, you know, when he rejoined the team, how much of a, you know, a morality boost that could be. We see it didn't really impact them because the team, you know, continued to be bad, as you well know. But, you know, the way they are currently, their mentality is a lot better. They're playing better, much better hockey than they have all season long it is, you know, they're at least an enjoyable hockey team to, you know, watch when Cole Caulfield's doing his thing and all the young kids are. So, you know, this, this will continue to add good, positive morale to this team. I mean, Carey Price is a likable dude, uh, clearly beloved in Montreal. Um, and yeah, it is, I, you know, obviously hope the best for him and we'll see what the future holds, but you know, they, I keep thinking about our conversation because I think it was last week when we talked about, you know, the first three teams eliminated with, you know, Arizona, Montreal and Philadelphia. And, you know, I still keep thinking about how Laura was right in that, you know, uh, optimism is high on the Canadians future. Uh, You guys have a lot to look forward to. Yeah. So, you know, it, you know. Brighter days are coming for Montreal. And, you know, you, you, I think you survived the worst uh, you possibly could, Andrew. I think you made it through. Uh, I think you've made it through the woods and you can, you know, see, you know, the the, the sun in the distance. So better yeah, days are for coming sure. for the and for the Canadians. It was rough for a while, but, you know, better days are coming. It, it was a bad 45 game stretch. <laughs> uh, it was, it yeah. was pretty rough to, to watch those games. But uh, moving on, we're going to talk about. How bad NHL refing is and a former ref's opinion on that narrative. But to, before we go to break, I'm just going to relay this in case Mary hasn't heard it because it's coming across my timeline here. Is that uh, Kentaji Brown Jackson is going to be confirmed to the Supreme Court in the USA. So that's some good oh. news because it seemed like they were going to try to shut that down, but they've got enough votes. So <laughs> we'll go into the break talking about uh, or thinking about that, that uh, something good is happening in the US of way. We don't get much good American news these days in terms of politics. But before we talk about uh, the refing situation, well, something that refing can impact a lot, betting. Bet online is your number one source for all your betting needs and sports info. Find all the latest sports developments, including this week's Masters Championships odds, 
podcasts, and reviews for all the different leagues this season. BetOnline is your continued source for all your sport wagering information, including live betting, esports, and scores. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends and action. BetOnline, where the game starts. So, Mary, the big thing that I noticed this morning as I was uh, getting ready for the show was a couple of writers out of Montreal were just talking about how refing in the playoffs is atrocious because essentially the way that the NHL allows games to be managed is that star players get hacked and whacked to bits and you basically have these narratives that come up that like you have to play tougher in the playoffs because you know it's harder to score in the playoffs and tighter checking but a lot of it comes down to players get away with a lot more well former ref Dave Jackson did not like this so he took a screenshot of this conversation and he said tons of respect for you guys but I gotta spoil your narrative here's the last five years of power plays per game in the regular season versus the playoffs more power plays per game in the playoffs every year except for last season where it's off by 0.29 percent your perception is not reality. Sorry. And he proceeded to post the power plays per game in the regular season versus the playoffs over the last couple of years. Now, first of all, uh, his numbers are wrong because he's got this regular season. I don't know if it's just old uh, as more penalties per game than last year. And it's about this. It's almost the exact same, but slightly lower. So that's wrong. But the other thing is, He's completely ignoring the context of the situation. And he followed it up with this, frankly, like all due respect to you, Dave Jackson, completely insane take saying, my point is the refs don't put their whistles away. Also, players are much more disciplined and aware in the playoffs. They tend not to take lazy or unneeded penalties. I think some people equate tight checking and lack of space with more with a need for more calls. No, Dave, give me a break players are more disciplined in the playoffs come on come on maybe they're more aware of not taking certain kinds of penalties but they have everything at stake in the playoffs they cheat more anybody with eyeballs can tell you that in the playoffs there's way more hooking there's way more slashing there's way more interference like interference goes from like five or six times a game in the regular season to like 50 times a game in the playoffs. It's not even close. So the whole point of this idea that officiating like refs let a lot go in the playoffs as compared to the regular season. Yeah. It doesn't matter that it doesn't bear out in raw numbers. It's because the number of infractions is way higher in the playoffs. Like how, where, what are we even talking about when we're going to pretend that there are fewer infractions in the playoffs? What are we watching here? Don't piss in my face and tell me that it's raining, Dave Jackson. Bull. <laughs> That's certainly a quote, Andrew. <laughs> I don't really it's... have anything. I don't I don't think I can follow up with that. Like that was just Is that a Canadian saying only? The, uh... the piss in my face thing? I don't think so. Maybe I don't know. That is that I I've never heard it heard it before. Or maybe I have, but you know, coming from you, that was just incredible <laughs> timing. Just perfect uh in, yeah. in saskatchewan where it's really windy because there's no mountains and not as many forests in southern saskatchewan they say don't piss in the wind and say it's raining uh, all right i guess that that makes sense i will have to look up after this if it is a canadianism or if it is you know 
uh, more widespread than that. But yeah, it, it it's, you know, it's an interesting topic. It always, like I said, it always goes back to officiating. Everything stems back to the NHL's uh, poor officiating, and it extends to the playoffs, too. We've seen it, you know. I think you've made a good point that they try and get away with more because, you know, they have everything to lose in the playoffs like you are fighting for your playoff lives every single game the intent that's why the intensity is so high um and you know we've talked about you know how more penalties will mean more power plays which means more scoring it i mean like you know we've seen the the through line of this um you know throughout the years of how like you know more penalties more power plays more scoring more fun that's what people want in the playoffs um, you want the high intensity, exciting games. Uh, also, you want the games to be called fairly and justly. And you know, you you've seen the. I mean, the I know he I know he says in his tweet that uh, the the refs don't put their whistles away. Yes, they do. They absolutely one hundred percent do. Especially if it's like a tied game in the third period, um, they do all this type of micromanaging of the game. Uh, I mean, we've seen it. I think you know officials have stated it uh who who was it was it uh was it tim peel was the we talked about this this was last year wasn't it tim peel that was that you know was called on essentially a hot fired yeah, yeah for for essentially managing the game uh in that way yep. uh it we have evidence this exists um and to say otherwise like i know i know nhl refs probably feel attacked in like you know in terms of like hockey fans say that they don't know how to do their jobs um you know that they you know they probably are feeling attacked with all of their criticisms uh but a lot i know a lot of the criticisms are probably just hockey people like dunking on them because you know funny or angry or whatever but a lot of this criticism comes from good faith we want to make the sport better <laughs> and uh changing the way the nhl officiates its games will make the sport better we're i think we're at least the two of us are criticizing from a point of wanting the sport to be better because we like a lot of things about it there there are a lot of things we don't like don't get us wrong but this is a point that you know as we said things cascade because the nhl's officiating is poor and also this is a mandate from the nhl from you know gary bettman himself and yep. george peros uh, it's not about just the refs. Yeah, yeah. This is the refs are just the arms that are making that it, you know are making things you know move and happening. But you know Gary Bettman and George Paris are the ones making the decisions here. We're when we call out the refs, we're calling out you know the system itself. We're not saying that every ref is bad. There are a lot of good refs. I mean, Wes McCauley is beloved in the NHL, or at least by NHL fans, or a lot of them anyway. Not everybody, but a lot of them love him for for a reason i mean he's personable he seems to be the most fair referee too from what i have seen so that's probably also so, why. like I there's don't... certain refs who maybe fans wouldn't think are fair either that are very good at communicating with players right i think that's yeah. a big part of their job that we don't see uh, or at least don't get to experience is them telling players like maybe a, a soft call gets called against a player but they've been warned three or four times during the game mm -hmm. don't make that play and then the ref's like, well, you made that play again. I'm, <laughs> I'm going to call you this time, even if and it's like, a little bit soft. So there's some of that to it, too. But isn't easy. Refereeing is not easy. Like it is is no. it's a thankless job. It's probably the most thankless job in hockey. If, you know, I had to guess um, that, you know, that in a, in maybe a coaching, maybe <laughs> coaches get fired more often. <laughs> true, true. But. 
you see more overall vitriol from the hockey community overall directed at referees than because oh, you know you sure. get you get certain fan bases mad at coaches and whatnot but you only have to deal with it from your from your fan base or your city but you know everybody has an opinion on the refs and you get you know they get dogpiled on twitter and social media and you know through you know you know other fandom spaces it's you know it's a thankless job they're in a perfect world, the referees not wouldn't be noticeable, but wouldn't be the topic of conversation. Uh, if you know the you know if the NHL mandate was different in terms of how they call their games, we wouldn't be having these conversations about uh, the way the games are called because they would be you know they would be called the way they should. Uh, you know, with you know getting things out of the game that we don't want, and then you know, sure there there would be a lot more whistles. Uh, but they would be earned whistles. Um, and maybe the, maybe play would change, but like you know, I don't know. In the perfect world, we wouldn't be talking about referees this much. We do, we don't we don't want to be talking about this, Andrew. I mean, you wanted to talk about it because no. you wanted to talk about your you know you wanted to have your hot take and your you know your your funny Canadian ism. Uh, but we don't want to be talking about <laughs> I didn't refereeing. Plan that part, but it just I know. Came out. <laughs> still, but we want to be talking about the game of hockey, uh, which we like talking about. We don't want to be talking about the you know refereeing controversies every five minutes. So it isn't a personal attack on referees when we talk about them. Uh, we're criticizing that the the way the game is managed and that direct uh, that you know it comes direct from Gary Bettman and George Paros, and that is where the real criticism lies. Sure, they're. You know, Tim Peel was maligned much in the same way, you know, Joe West was in baseball. Uh, but, you know, that there are outliers to that. But it is not overall the ref's fault. This is the, you know, mandate from on high. That is the problem here. Yeah, I enjoy that we're actually getting some ref's perspectives out there yeah. in media nowadays. But when I hear it put this way, I think, hmm, hmm, maybe you are a bigger part of the problem than I previously have said because i've been uh, sure. i've been operating under the narrative or the idea that refs are the people who execute the will of the league right but refs also have biases in and of their sure. own I, I think i was making Dave a Jackson. blanket statement that does not apply to all of them there are definitely some yes. that are acting in as the you know hand or arm of the league just you know doing well, them, and the other thing is when stuff. you've been doing something a certain way for 20 years you likely believe that what you're doing is right yeah. Which is why, uh, you know, refs are the cops of the NHL. And that's why we have to always be on them because they're awful. Anyway, we'll wrap that up there. We'll get to our pop culture segment in a moment. But first, I got to tell you about Rock Auto. With the ever-increasing numbers of makes and models, it's now impossible for your local chain auto parts store to stock all the parts that you need. Why endure pointless or often seemingly intimidating questioning while you're waiting for the person behind the counter to get the parts for your from their computer... Uh, choosing only the brand that their warehouse happens to carry. You have computers with access to rockauto.com at home and in your pocket. Save time and money when using Rock Auto. Why choose to spend 30, 50, or even 100% markup on the same parts from a chain store or car dealership? Rock Auto is also a family business serving do it yourselfers for over 20 years. Their prices are reliably low for every customer. They have everything that you could need from brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, and even new carpet. Go explore their easy-to-use website today and find the solution to your auto parts needs. Go to rockauto.com right now and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Write Locked On in their How Did You Hear About Us box so that they know that we sent you. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts that your car will ever need. rockauto.com All right, Mary, I 
did not take in a lot of pop culture since we last <laughs> spoke. The one thing that I did watch was the new episode of Moon Knight, which Ooh, I don't know okay. if you've seen. I haven't yet. Sorry. I Like I said. Have I you watched the first episode? No. How? But how is it? I've heard okay. like I heard. I don't want to say mixed things about the first episode, but, you know, I've heard that Oscar Isaac is kind of the standout here. I mean, he's just also a very charismatic actor uh, and a very attractive one, too. So, like, you know, it is something I am intrigued about watching. Um, but you know, how was the second episode? I think I heard much better things. Uh, okay. I actually like the first episode more. Okay. The first episode, the like, the second episode was good. It was fine. But it was a bit more uh, humor in it. Mm, okay. And the tone of the first one was much more like scary, surreal, and like out of body experience and de- dealing like with like the terror of the main character who is not in control of his body at all times, right? Uh, Oscar Isaac is definitely doing Oscar Isaac things. <laughs> like he's, he's, th- he's that guy. Uh, there will be many thirst traps made about Oscar Isaac in in this uh in this <laughs> series for sure there's a lot of uh the the end of this uh, the second episode i think will be on many oscar isaac highlight reels on tiktok and all that i love how so, you uh, call like fan edits or fan cams highlight reels <laughs> highlight <laughs> just, reels yes it's the sports that me. makes i know that makes me laugh so much uh i as an aside i also love how uh hockey i see a lot of hockey twitter and fan cams i guess i kind of am in that little like niche space i think that's really cool that that's a big thing in hockey um but regardless and you can continue with your moonlight or you know moon night moon night thing so i don't want to go into too many spoilers but i'm liking where they're going i'm excited to see where they're going and i know that the the showrunner and director of i think five of the six episodes not the second one is Egyptian. He's an Egyptian oh. filmmaker. So I think that's really cool to have that perspective of it because mm-hmm. it is uh, a story rooted in ancient Egyptian lore. So they're trying to take it very seriously from that perspective as well and represent Egypt very well. So I, I'm excited to see what they can do with it because it's territory that hasn't really been covered um, through the MCU so far. Mm-hmm. It seems more unique in terms of like, I don't know. I think I mentioned this. It's more like of an out there concept, much in the same way WandaVision or Loki is. I mean, yeah. uh, Falcon and the Winter Soldier and Hawkeye were more grounded, I guess, in terms of current reality, I think. Um, So it's it's neat that we're getting more unique Marvel stuff. Um, Because I saw they released another teaser trailer for um, uh, the new doctor strange movie uh and i am intrigued about that because that looks like it is uh gonna be one of the you know wackiest uh mind-bending marvel films of them all and it i'm glad that you know they're doing more of the unique stuff it may not always work uh but i'm glad that they're trying to you know throw more stuff at the wall because they because they've earned i think that trust from their fans that they can you know, go a bit more wacky. They can't just, you know, do it right out of the gate because it will turn some people away. But, you know, now that we know the Marvel formula, um, they've got an established base of fans, um, you know, they could do more stuff like this, I guess, take more risks, essentially, um, and whatnot. Yeah. So that it's cool. I I would like to watch it. I just have not had the time. How long are the episodes, at least? Uh, they're longer. They're, I okay. think the first one was 45 minutes and this one was 52 Okay, so it's more uh, of like the standard drama form, like format. Yes, 
Yeah, it's more consistently long than some of the other. Uh, I think they're all around, like forty five minutes plus. Maybe it'll be something I download on like my phone if I'm if I'm awake if I'm awake on my flights uh, to California. <laughs> Maybe I'll watch it. Maybe I'll download Netflix or not Netflix, Disney Plus. Because do they do like um like offline viewing? I'd have to find out. But regardless, maybe I think that's you something can on Disney. But I've never really used it. But mm-hmm. uh, before we close out, uh, do you have anything you wanted to mention? No, like I said, uh, been getting ready for my California trip and playing uh the same video games, Elden Ring. Uh, been back into Final Fantasy fourteen. By the time I come back, there will be a new. I think i said story patch so like you know a bit more story uh it's cool about playing an mmo is the story isn't it just doesn't end you can get like new story content every handful of months and you know uh, i think that's one of the neatest things is somebody who's new to mmos and is like the story just keeps going i don't have to wait like a handful <laughs> of years for like the sequel like it just like they just keep like People adding by people who buy nhl games every year <laughs> like what they can just update things <laughs> oh i don't want i don't want to i feel bad like i i i should play more sports games than i do um but it is i don't know maybe it's because i use video games as like uh i don't know i try not to mix the two like i sh- i do write about video games every so often but like i try not to mix the two i try and you know use the time i play video games for myself and sometimes playing it with friends or enjoying it with friends but i try and you know use it as like a separate thing because i think it's good to have things like the big thing is i like, don't monetize your hobbies uh things like that should just be for yourself like reading you know doing like arts and crafts stuff like gardening some people use writing as that but writing is my profession uh so i don't that's not something i can do but you know it's nice to keep some things you know to yourself that you know you don't necessarily have to share with other people uh or you know try and monetize the hell out of it in the way our capitalist uh society uh, makes you think you can do so you know it's good to have stuff like that and we've brought it full circle back to the communist manifesto hey look at that we did it we did it (laughs) and with that it's time to end (laughs) thank you for tuning in to the cross check nhl show and thanks for making us your first listen every tuesday and friday now next make let's make your next listen locked on fantasy hockey host steel roden and flip livingstone to help you become the expert of your fantasy league it's free wherever you get your podcasts